It's the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Um, if you like listening to us, uh, make sure to share our podcast with any friends that you have who are into Povol and love listening to Povol stories. Um, you can follow us on at the Real Apex Apex Vaulting on Instagram. It's Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and if you ever need to reach out to us, it's just apexvaulting at gmail.com. Um, this is episode 49. Um, I'm out here in Missouri, took a trip out. Uh, I visited with a coach out in the Chicago area and then drove down um, to hang out with Nick Homan, uh, that tattooed vaulter on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, it's been an awesome trip. Um, Nick, why don't you start out by telling, like, um, how did we get connected? Like, how do we, how do we get up getting in touch? Like what happened? Yeah. So, um, I've kind of just always done everything on my own. Um, I've had a little bit of guidance here and th- here and there from, a, from a couple people and just, I, just your content, man, that there's not a lot of people out there that are putting real good, viable content out there. So I just, I just saw how much you're willing to help people, how much you're willing to do. And I, I, I personally needed the help. So I, I reached out by, by direct message. I'm pretty sure on Instagram. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You DM me. He slid in through the DMS guys. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, it's crazy. And I know I, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot and I did actually a specific, uh, kind of podcast rant or episode on, uh, just social media and how that's, it's so important. Like people need to know who you are, you know what I mean? Right. And so if you're coaching out there, you have a club and you're not posting on social media, um, it's going to be really hard for you to get your name out there. Um, like the, like you said, the only reason you even reached out to me is cause I post so much on social media. Right. So you're like, heck, let me give this guy a try. See if he'll answer my, my DM. Um, which I, I think if that's not motivation alone, I mean, for those of you that don't know, Nick Homan is a 17-9 vaulter. Um, he also coaches at Central Methodist University here in Missouri. Um, I mean, look, I was super pumped. He hit me up on DM. I was like, hell yeah, I'll, I'll help you out, you know? But if people don't know who you are, they're never going to reach out to you, Yeah, you know? Well, yeah, and it's, too many people are just scared to put things out there. Like, people don't want to be questioned about their their opinion on a technique or they don't want somebody to get mad because they're doing something different or they're throwing the secret out there that they don't want people to know. And it's, I, I mean, we always talk about the pole vault community being this great community of people who want to share everything, want to help each other out, but, but no one wants to put the video out there to help somebody. No one wants to help that high school kid who, who's only an eight foot vaulter trying to be a nine foot vaulter. It's just, it's all about the elites and this and that. It's like, like you, you just wanted to help people. Uh, I needed help. <laughs> right. And, and so that, that's why it worked out. I mean, also, I mean, look, there's a lot of situations out there that are, that are very different. I, I mean, I, I was telling Nick the other day, you know, for the people out listening, I mean, there's not a lot of people, if I were to work with them, that they would be diligent enough to follow the routine and get right. better. Because um, uh, you visited back in July. Yeah for a week and obviously we'd been DMing and texting and phone calls. Uh, but it's just different when you're person to person. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, you went through a kind of a week of practice with me and it was awesome. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like when, when we practiced this morning, I was like, Oh wow. Like looks a lot better. Like you, right. you definitely are, are, are taking that in and not everybody's able to do that, you know? Um, so it, it definitely is kind of mixed, you know, you, you might reach out to people who aren't willing to work with you or vice versa. You might get, re- uh, someone might reach out to you who maybe isn't going to put the work in, yeah. but you're never going to find out if you never contact yeah. people. 
You know, it's like, yeah, sure, someone may say no, someone may say yes, but you're never going to find out either way unless you, you reach out. Right, yeah. And, and and there really are. There are so many people out there that need the help. And, yeah. And it's not even, like, it's not even the lack of people putting out the information. It's like, it's lack of people that will ask for the help, too. Um, yeah. Like, I've known a couple guys that are like, yeah, I'm going to go move, I'm going to train with Tim Mack, or I'm going to move hundred miles, or however many hundred miles away, I'm going to train with this guy, but it's like... But that guy's never really given me anything else. I'm just trusting that he's helped these guys and it's worked for them. And so I think they have a program that's worked and it's set to go. And like, I, I mean, I messaged you. You're like, yep, this is my program. This is this. I have these videos. I can send you these videos of these drills. This is how we progress. This is right. And it just made sense. It was just, it was I, just easy. Well, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. I think that because of the lack of content out. People aren't really sure of what anyone does out there. You know? Yeah. It's like you're kind of guessing. You're hoping that like, oh, like I, I think this is going to work. You know? Like I hope this guy's a good coach. Yeah. But like a lot of people don't actually know the program and, and don't know if it's going to mesh with their style or mesh with what they're doing. Um, you know? So it's like you may go all the way out there and then find out, you know, it wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. You know? There, there's, there's no way for you to exactly know. I think... I try to be really, really clear and and transparent on social media. Like this is what we do on a daily basis. I mean, one of my things, Nick, that I'm I'm really, really big on is like, look, I actually coach basically every single day. Sure. The fall is a little bit slower. Like I don't have meets to go to on Saturdays. So Saturdays are typically a day off for me now. But even this fall, I've had Saturdays here and there where I've been doing stuff. But I'm basically coaching every single day. Multiple sessions a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we usually have about 100 kids in the club. It's like, this is what we do. Right. And you're seeing the videos. And, and when I post videos, typically you can see kids in the background. They're, they're also there. Mm-hmm. It's not just like I'm coaching one person. Um, I, I, now, I don't know. I know that there are people out there that are doing similar things. But I, I don't think a lot of people know about it. Yeah, um, I mean, people have no idea. And... and- and, and like when you go and see your club and you see the people jumping and stuff, it's it's like the videos were genuine. It's, right. It's not like yeah, you know, we're hey, we're gonna make a video today, guys. So we're gonna we gotta get this drill. It's gotta be set. It's gotta be down. It's like it's like no, like oh, this dude's doing good. Hey, let's video him today. Oh, let's video the next person. It, it's genuinely like everybody knows what they're doing. They know the process. They go through it. It just right. It's so streamlined and and just progressive. It just. I don't know. It, it just clicked. Like in my mind, something just clicked. Like, yeah, I think this guy, he's something figured out that yeah. I don't. So yeah. And uh, look, I super appreciate what you're saying. Like, like, yeah, that's awesome. You know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've said it before too. And you know, I, I don't want anybody to get offended and, you know, take it the wrong way. But I feel like sometimes part of the problem is like, I don't know how in depth some people have their process. Yeah. You know, I think there are certain key things that some people work on. And I was there as a coach. You know, when I was younger, it's like there weren't a lot of layers. There weren't a lot mm-hmm. of wrinkles to what I was doing. It's very basic in the beginning. You know, you have certain fundamentals and and then you grow from there. But I don't know if people are, like you, like you said, maybe they're afraid to share their process yeah. with people because someone's going to figure out their secret. Or maybe they're like, you know, maybe they don't have much of a process right now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say this, and we were kind of talking about a little bit about this earlier. Uh, you know, when you think about things in a business sense, and I've had Calvin Hartman on who is trying to build up his strength and conditioning business. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, strength and conditioning is so much more competitive. Oh, yeah. Like, it seems like every town has at least one or two strength and conditioning gyms. You really have to market and put yourself out there. If you're not posting on social media and you have a gym... Oh, you're struggling. You're, yeah, you're going to yeah. be in trouble. Whereas in pole vault, it's like right now, it's like, look, a lot of people are coaching pole vault. It's one, it's not a full-time gig for a lot of people. Right. And two, they're getting a significant number of clients, whether it's 20, 30, 40, 50 kids... Without marketing. Yeah. You know? Uh, but the thing is, like, what's going to happen when people start taking it to the next level? Yeah. Which, obviously, like, I'm really working hard on taking it to the next level. You know, I think you want to be a part of that process, too. Right. But oh, there's yeah. going to be more people. I, I can't wait. Like, this is what I can't wait for. And I, I, I try to explain this to a lot of people. It's like, right now, you know, I know pole vault clubs behave competitively against one another as far as, like, state meets and stuff. But when you really look at it, most clubs are hour, hour and a half, two hours apart minimum. There's not really competition until there's a club across the street. Yeah. You know, and I I literally like I, I don't know if people believe me what I'm about to say, but it's like I can't wait. I can't wait for the day where there's a club across the street for me because I'm going to crush it. Right. Like, I, that's true competition. Like, because I know when people walk into my gym, they're going to get an amazing experience. Yeah. And that's when really Povo gets to the next level and where we start to see competitiveness, not just amongst athletes, but also amongst clubs mm-hmm. and coaches. And you can create rivalries. You can create interests. Yes. Get, I, mean, I mean, that's one of the great things about, like, like I say, the college system. You get... You get to a college meet, like those those guys, like, oh, yeah, they're in our conference. Yeah, we got to beat those guys. Right, like, yeah. Yeah, we know them. We see them. They're close. We got to beat those guys. Yeah. But, I mean, how often is there just none of that? It's just pole vaults. It's, it's the be nice sport. It's that, yeah, like you said earlier, it's that my only competition is the bar. But, like, dude, no. Like, everybody there is your competition. You're, you you want to win. Well, yeah, and and it was interesting. We were talking about certain uh, geographical regions where sometimes, like, there's really only one pole vault coach in a two, three-hour radius, and that person is coaching all the top people. Right. That's not really competition. Yeah. It's not competition until other groups are going up one another. I mean, that's why it's like... I thought, like, this summer, like, totally kick-ass was the Pole Vault Club Championships. Yeah. You know, having all those clubs, I mean, it was Apex, um, Vertical Assault, Flying Circus was there, um, Sandstorm from Maryland was there, um, Vault Factory, and I feel like I'm forgetting one other club. So, five or six clubs were at, yeah. at the meet. Oh, uh, TCPVC. Yeah, yeah. They, they had a strong showing. They won the girls' side, actually. Oh, my God. I can't believe I almost forgot. Right. <laughs> it's just, you know what? I'm thinking so Jersey. Yeah, and they're, they're from, like, mid-New York, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, it's like it was so awesome. You know, the competitiveness really came out, and I think everybody right. kind of took it to the next level. I mean, even later that night when it was, like, Craig Hunter, Craig Van Leeuwen, and you, you guys were going back and forth and, yeah. and passing bars. It was it was super exciting. That competitiveness is huge, but when you're the only coach in a two or three hour radius, there is no competition. Right. And what and what's that really say about what your 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 coaching ability truly is? Because like, yeah, if you're the only coach around, you're gonna get studs. Like those studs are gonna go to your club because they have nowhere else to go. Right. So right. So you might get this big name because okay, hey, yeah, he had a couple sixteen footers in high school over the last few years. But what about that eight foot guy that came in? Did he progress? Did he end up? Did he end up a twelve, thirteen footer? Like, 
So nice. you don't really know. Is that guy really a good coach, or is he just blessed with all of the kids? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, like, for me as a coach, um, and I've had Mike Lorick on the podcast a, a bunch of times. He uh, was the one that started Vertical Assault. And I always felt like, dude, there was no one I wanted to beat more than Mike Lorick. And I'm, I'm friends with him, yeah. you know? Uh, but it's kind of like you don't want to lose to your brother. Right. Like, you, you'd rather lose to anybody else than your brother. Right. And it's like I knew Mike was such a great coach that it's like if I could beat Mike when we're going pound for pound, meaning we had two athletes that were both kind of similar physical abilities. Yeah. So it really comes down to like all the intangibles. It's like that that pumped me up. Like I really yeah. always wanted to beat Mike. Um, you know, so that, that was huge. And like, that's competition. And, um, I know I, I talked to you about this before. Um, I listened to one of the Joe Rogan podcasts where he had Teddy Atlas on Mm -hmm. and he was talking about Mike Tyson. Yeah. You know, and for those of you who don't know, Mike Tyson was a great heavyweight boxer. Some argue that he's the best ever, but Teddy Atlas had brought up on the podcast. He's like, look, Joe, I apologize. I don't remember exactly, but let's say his record is 50 and five. He goes, you know what I think his uh, professional record is? He goes, oh, and five. Yeah. Because he talked about the idea that every all those 50 wins that Mike Tyson had, he went against people that were just not as on his level. So it was basically just a, a display of how amazing Mike was. But that every time Mike Tyson went against someone who was his match, like Holyfield, he lost. Right. And that's what really makes a fighter is going against someone of your ilk and, and fighting, right? And yeah. then he brought up the examples. He used an example of like a lawyer. You're not a lawyer. Like sure, you have a law degree. You have a job. But you're not a lawyer until you're in the court case and the judge throws everything out and you have to yeah. think on your feet. And it's like same thing in pole vault. Like you're not really competing as a coach unless there's a comparable coach in your area yeah. who you have to fight against. Right. You know, you're not winning a meet if you're a pole vaulter until you have to – match up with someone and really duke it out, you know? Um, That that was the one thing um, when I had Michelle Favre, indoor nationals, really she had no competition. Her second bar won the meet, you know? Right. But outdoors, I was kind of really pumped up that she was able to go against someone that we had to go pass, jump, pass, jump, and she ended up with the win. She actually had to compete that day. Yeah. And I felt like that was more of a victory. Definitely. And and that's super, super important. And, And again... Going to vault the way it is, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of competition in in all these geographical areas, you know. Right. Oh, and and it, it's true. It's 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 honestly hard to find good competition all over the place. It's pain in the butt. I mean, I was I mean, I was a person with too in college. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I went into a national meet. As I mean, I was a 17 footer. There was one other 17 footer. I'd go in either no hide or jump 16 feet because I was just so obsessed with, all right, I got to win this. This has got to be the win. And like you said earlier, I mean, I wasn't worried about competing. I was just like, I have to jump this bar because I have to jump this bar because I'm I'm ranked high. I have to jump this bar. Right, right, right. And it, it wasn't about the competition. It wasn't about this. I just lost sight of everything. No one could have coached me. No one could have said a thing. Right. I, I, you just lose it. And and. I mean, have, I mean, even just like the higher level coaches that can talk to people, that can talk them off the ledge, that can keep them, and and make that competition a real thing. It's not, oh yeah, my guy's a stud; he's gonna win by foot and a half. It's like, nope, I'm gonna have to do some coaching today. It's, yeah, right. yeah, maybe today that guy. Oh, okay, we need 17 to win. Well, that guy just popped 17. I guess we need 17 too to win. Like, 
Well, yeah, and then, you know, do you play the passing game? Yeah. And when do you go up a pole? I mean, it was even interesting, like, going back to, like, what you're saying about the, the mental side of it. Um, you know, I, it was super awesome. You know, I was at CMU today, the college you coach at. And, you know, I got to work with a bunch of your kids mm-hmm. and it was so cool to take them through the drills and teach them everything. Um, but we were talking to, it's Peyton, right? Yeah. We were talking to Peyton at the end of the day and, and we were in the parking lot just chilling by the cars and talking. And one of the things that I said is like, I was talking about like the whole mental aspect of it and how it's real easy to get caught up. Like Peyton's a senior. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's real easy to get caught up as you get close to nationals. It's like, oh my God, this is my last year. I really yeah. got to jump high. I go, but you know what? Here's the problem with that kind of attitude. When you all of a sudden start thinking about that stuff, what you're not thinking about is whatever Nick is telling you at practice, yeah. right? Like if you're telling him, hey man, you, you know, you got to keep the tip up you know, longer, you're dropping the tip too early or, Hey man, you got to jump up. It's like, instead of you hearing those words, you're thinking, I got to win nationals. I got to win nationals. So you kind of block out the coaching. And I said to him, I can't tell you how many times, like literally the week or two after States or nationals, a kid comes in, I'm working with them. And it's like, boom, Chris, everything works because they actually can hear and take in the coaching. There's no pressure. And And that's the thing. Dealing with competition is huge because yeah, most of the year you probably were going to meets like when you, when you were the top guy ranked, you know, and you jumped NAIA. Yeah. So you jumped NAIA. So you're probably top ranked guy. You know, most of the meets you went to all year, you're beating everybody by a foot and a half. Uh, Oh yeah. It's, it's a rare occasion for me to not win the meet with my opening height at this point, which I mean, it's not like I'm coming in huge. I mean, I usually come in around 16 feet, 490. Right, right, right. right. I mean, it's the meets are far in between when, when someone else is there. Like if I have one or two guys at 16 feet with me, I'm jacked up. Like I, I get so pumped up to actually jump against people. Right. And so now no wonder you get to nationals and you can't actually just compete because you're like, oh, I have to jump this yeah. bar or else I'm not going to win. And you're not thinking about actually just jumping and doing your thing yeah. and competing. I mean, we brought it up today at practice. You know, everybody likes to talk about Euro champs and it's like, oh my God, Mondo jumped 605. But I feel like everybody forgets like Timor jumped six meters. And That's right two there. inches apart. And he's what, three years older? Right. Like the dude's old. He's young as can be. Like, I mean, I if. if I mean, I'm 28, dude. I'm I'm praying that I can someday get close to what this guy's doing. Like, right, and he's right. A kid. Like, yeah, and 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 again, like think about it. They were in competition. They were two inches apart. That that comes down to competing. Man. Right. I don't care about PR. I don't care where the bar was at. If you're two inches apart, that came down to who competed better yeah. that day. It wasn't about oh, did you hit this position? You right. Know? It just comes down to competing. Right. You know? I mean, and you can I mean you can look at their jumps too, like. Like, a Timmer had the most insane free takeoff oh, where he just, goodness. like, hung out for yeah. a second then ripped it back through. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Mondo's just smooth, normal Mondo. But both of them were just at the top of their game that day. But then you right. got Renault who kind of, I mean, 595, he jumped like a beast. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but it goes to six meters. He's the guy who's like, yeah, six meters, Renault. That's the guy in the last five, six years. And then right. he had nothing for him. Well, and, but think about that too. I mean, literally from first to third is four inches. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not like Renault, you know, oh my guy was way off. Yeah. He's you right know? there. He just, those two young guys had the mentality that day. They were yeah. the ones going over that bar. 
Well, one, and, you know, to kind of mention that too, I, I think it also goes into that idea of like the difference of when you are supposed to win And when you're coming from behind, nobody expects it. Right. You know, I don't think people expected Mondo to win. I mean, he was feeling good all year. Everything seems great. But he he could just jump free. Right. There was no expectation. Yeah. And and even even before the meet, I guess, I read somewhere, like, Renault and him were talking. And I was like, yo, I don't care what we place. I just want both of us on the podium. But really, man, I'm going to win this. I want you to place two. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He didn't think Mondo was going to come out of nowhere and beat him. Like, he, right. No way he expected that. Yeah. Like, and I look, I don't know. And, you know, maybe and maybe he's a better person than me. But, dude, I'm not looking to lose. No. You know? Look, I don't care how much I like somebody. Like, I love having friendly competitions. with. But if my best friend beats me, I'm pissed. I'm not, yeah. I'm not okay with it. I lost. Yeah. Like, period. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um... T- take us through more, like um, Nick. You know, how, how did you get started in the vault? You know, what was your experience through high school? What happened through college? You know, how did you get to become a seventeen nine guy? Like, take us take us through that. Yeah. So, I mean, my pole vault journey was definitely not the normal pole vault journey. Um, I grew up. I was all about martial arts and wrestling. That was that was my entire life. Yeah. Um, eighth grade came along. I had a bunch of buddies doing track, so I was like, oh right, yeah, cool. I'm gonna do track. Yeah. At that point, our school didn't have pole vault. Um, just they didn't want to pay the insurance on the pit and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But then for some reason, like two weeks before track season starts, they're like, hey, we're bringing pole vault back. And I was like that kid who, I mean, in eighth grade, I was maybe four foot nine, weighed, weighed about 85 pounds. Yeah. So I was like, they're like, yeah, you're super athletic, man. You're pretty strong. You're pretty, you're pretty quick, but pretty strong and pretty quick for a guy who's four foot nine. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah, we're gonna. You can go pole vault. We're bringing that back. You can go do that. Yeah. So it was like the first years. Every every couple of weeks, they'd like, oh yeah, go pole vault today. So we'd go pole vault. We had like one random guy show up who said he was the coach, and he's like, yeah, this time when you jump, do a one eighty. That's how I learned how to turn. And I was like, oh, cool, sweet. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we went going on. I, I think my freshman year. I, I mean, the closest thing to a coach I had was our head football coach was out there. Yeah. Um, and, and he was really just the guy who was just like, you just got to hit it harder. Just run faster, hit it harder. Yeah. So, like, freshman year, I think I jumped 10 feet. Sophomore year, um, jumped 12-6. Um, I mean, just totally doing it on my own, learning it off of YouTube. Um, by my junior year, they were considering me the high school coach, even though I had no freaking clue what I was yeah, doing yeah. either. Um I think junior year I went like fourteen six, then senior year I went sixteen four. Wow! Um, and uh, but I'll tell you, like my high school experience of like to get on bigger poles, we used to take the the crappy really soft pads that went around our standards. Yeah. And I would just like, all right, this this is a fifteen one fifty five. I need to get on this pole. All right, guys, stand on the sides with the pads. They'd stand right there, right by the takeoff, oh, and I I just haul as hard as I could, hit the box. They'd throw the pads out. I'd get rejected, fall on the pads. Like, <laughs> All right, guys, we'll do it again. So and I'd, I'd take 20 jumps and slam back into the runway into those pads. And yeah. Then finally I'd make it through, and I'm like, all right, cool. We're good. I'm on the new pole. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that was my high school pole vault career. It, um, it's so wild because, um, you know, I coached Kurt Dunn. This is a while yeah. back. Uh, Kurt was a 17-3 guy, and, man, similar experience. He, yeah. he was, uh, you know, like... Western PA guy 
And at his high school, they literally like, yeah, they would have the extra pads on the side to yep. throw them underneath yep. after somebody takes off because you got to get on a 15-foot pole. Yeah. You can't jump high if you're not That's on a 15-foot pole. And I had no concept of what weight pole I should be on. Like, I was on a 14.6, 155, and I started blowing it out. So, of course, like, we're like, all right, let's get the one, let's get the 15, 155. You just, just grip which up is, higher. Which is a 10 pound jump. You're right. And now you're just forcing the grip up. Yep. Yeah. Like, that's my weight. That's all. I mean, I, granted, I, and at the time, my senior year, I weighed right on 155. So, that's what I thought. I mean, at one point, I was even like the, you know, the zebra poles that Gil makes, like, they're supposed to be the female pole, carbon pole or whatever. Oh, right, right. The, the mystic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at one point, I had people telling me, yeah, you should buy those poles because they're girls' poles because they bend easier. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. You're right. Yeah. That's just, that's smart. So, that's, those are the poles we had. We had mystics and the zebra poles until, until that senior year when I got on the 15-footer. But, what's, what's wild, too, is, like, even, like, what you bring up there, it's, like, people don't really understand poles. Like, I always right. hear that. They're like, oh, these poles bend easier. Yeah. It's like, no, they're literally probably softer. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's like, you know, and for for those of you that are listening, you know, the way they flex the poles, right, to find out how stiff they are, they put it on each end and they put a weight in the middle of the pole and they measure how much mm-hmm. the pole bends. The pro- the problem that beca- that kind of happens is... That these poles are not flexed on the same rating. Yeah. So let's say like what manufacturer A flexes a pole. Let's say it's like 20.0. Well, that's a 150. Right. But another manufacturer might make that a 160. Right. So it's like, yeah. So now you'd say, oh, manufacturer B has a softer pole. But it's yeah. like, no, it's literally just, it's not labeled it's just the same. different. Yeah. yeah. And then... I mean, then you have Altius who does everything different. They they flex by they inches, inches instead of centimeters. So Crazy. it's like, oh, so I'm going to go from my 16.5 Spirit to my 6.5 Altius. Yeah, that makes sense. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, my God. It just makes no sense. Yeah. Th- I mean, that that's why, I mean, look, completely separate topic, but it's like, that's why it... You should really stick to one brand when right. you're buying poles, right? So that you have a, a smooth and consistent, you know, progression. Yeah. You know, as as you go through, I think too often people kind of mishmash different pole brands, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I went from my fifteen one sixty five, and I went to a fifteen one seventy. Oh, it's a, it's a big gap. Oh, it's so like, different. Yeah. yeah. It's like no, they're two different pole manufacturers. Right. You know? Or even, and, and even like, like we saw this summer with my, the Essex poles I was jumping on, even just, I mean, the thing with Essex, like it's cool. They're trying to do new things. They're trying to change whatever they're doing a thing, but, but it's resulted in the recoil advanced pole or whatever. I mean, I have different sizes of those poles and literally my, my 14 to 14 sixes, my 15s, my 15 nines and my 16s, are all completely different poles. Like, they have the same yeah. label, they have the same everything, but like you said, I mean, at the pole vault, the pole vault club championships, I blew out my, my 15.7, or no, I was on my 15.9185, and you're like, ah, uh, I think we just need to, let's go, what's your next pole down? I was like, and I tell you, it's, oh, it's 15.7185. You're like, all right, yeah, cool, two-inch difference, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, no, but it's... It's way different. You're like, well, I mean, it's I mean, it's the same weight. It's two inches, no difference. Yeah, yeah. I come down, completely blow it out, and it's just like... That know, shouldn't be like that. That makes no sense. Same weight on the pole, two inch difference, but that looked like about a 10-pound difference Well, right, in the pole. because, like, 
a six inch difference in pole should be 10 pounds. Yeah. So let's say you had a, a 15, um, well, 15.3, right? If you had a 15.3, 185 and a 15.9, 185, yeah. that should be 10 pounds apart. So like the 15.985 is really like a 15.3, 195. Right. But now it's like you had a 15.7, that's only two inches. Um, that, Shouldn't have been that that big of a right. difference, and it, it just makes it just makes life so much harder when you have mismatched lineups or things like that, and and it's like I'm not trying to knock Essex, like they're doing their thing, they're trying to create different kinds of poles, anything, whatever. But man, consistency is such an important thing, and like you said, just if you can get a consistent line of the same brand or or just the same kind of pole, your life is just going to be so much better. Well, yeah, because I I think. Part of the issue with pole vault is like you're trying to eliminate variables. Yeah. You know, you want every jump to look as similar as possible from jump to jump so that you can make the proper adjustments. Now, when your pole lineup is not consistent, I mean, it would literally be like going, you know, I've used this analogy with you. It's like going Mm -hmm. into a weight room and if they only had 45 pound plates. Yeah. Well, if you had to make 90 pound jumps with every lift. Yeah. You wouldn't get much stronger because... How do you get to that point where now if you have five pound jumps and a smooth, consistent line, it makes life a lot easier. Now you know whether it's like, is the pole just too stiff or are they not jumping up? Yeah. Is the pole too soft or, you know, are they doing something better? You know, you have to be able to eliminate these variables. Right. Otherwise, it makes it very difficult for athletes and coaches to know what's wrong. Yeah. Because if you, if let's say like, all right, let's say your guy like jumps on a pole, blows through and now you go up a pole, but it's up 15 pounds. Well, now you get stood up and you're like, ah, oh, like, did he not jump up? Did he plant late? Or did you just go up 15 pounds of pole and yeah. that's too much resistance? Right. You know? Yeah. I and mean, then there's, it's just too much variable for one person to decide. And, and like, and on the coaching side, it just makes you feel like you're failing the athlete. Cause it's like, yeah, I want to tell you exactly what's going on, but yeah, I mean, all we have is you need the next pole. The only pole we have is 15 pounds up. Well, we we were talking over dinner. I mean, tell that story about, you know, you were going to me and, um, you know, you were helping a kid out from another school. Oh, yeah, what, yeah. what had happened? So, yeah, so uh, just a kid from that. I mean, I always like to coach any, any kid from another school if he doesn't have a coach. I mean, whatever. It's competition to my guys, but whatever. I'm going to help you out. Um, so this kid, he's just... Which I'm going to stop you for a yeah. second. Which now it's like people listening are like, wait a second. They were just talking about, oh, you got to compete. Yeah. You got to be everybody's ass. And it's like, now he's like, oh, well, I helped the kid from the other school. I, look, I know sometimes it, it sounds hypocritical, but it's very nuanced. Yeah. You obviously, if you're at a meet and you see a kid jumping who doesn't have help or they don't have the right equipment... Dude, you don't want to let the kid hang to dry. And I know I said to you, I was like, one of the things I always explain to my athletes is like, listen, you get to work with me every day. If some kid doesn't have a coach and I help them at a meet. Yeah, because I gave them a couple quick cues. And that kid beats you, they're just better than you. Exactly. That has nothing to do with me. Exactly. I'm I'm totally confident my guy's going to come up and whoop their butt, but... But yeah, I'm still going to help them just so you know. Like, yeah. and, and my and my guys are straight up. They don't care. They're like, that's cool. We're going to be yeah. that guy. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so but, what, what, what did, you met this kid out of me. What did he yeah. jump in high school? What was he jumping in college and what happened? So he's like, he's like a 14-3 or 14-4 guy in high school, somewhere, somewhere in the low 14s. 
Um, and then it, he just he couldn't get back to it. There was, I mean, he's going through had a whole year in college, just couldn't get back to it. And then we're jumping the first time I see him, and he's just crushing every pole they have there. So he he like snuck over like 13 feet, gets the 13.6, has a huge blowout, and I'm just like, dude. Where's the next pole? Like, what are you doing? He's like, well, this is the biggest pole I have. My coach is kind of telling me I just need to fix this and that. I'm like, I don't know what you need to fix, man. You just need to keep hitting it hard. Here's one of my poles. Here's a 15. He's on like a, I think he's on a 15, 170. I was like, hey, yo, here's 15, 175. Jumps on that. Boom. Easy. 13, 6. I'm like, oh, cool. You kind of blew that out too. Hey, jump on my 15, 80. Boom. Pop, pops, <clears throat> pops 14. Boom, pops 14-6 on the next one. We get to 15. PR, yeah. Yeah, barely misses 15. And and the kid's just blown away. He's like, whoa, this is crazy. I don't get it. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, man. It's like any meat, whatever, use my poles. We see him two weeks later. Exact same problem. Exact same thing happens. He uses my poles, jumps higher. And then the next time I see him, he's all down on himself. He's like, yeah, I just felt like I didn't jump real well last week because I kind of just, I was. I mean, I jumped the same, that 14-6 bar. I'm like, I mean, dude, that's... What does his coach say to him? Yeah, I was like, dude, that's your PR. What do you mean? And I was like, you're jumping great. He's like, well, yeah. And, well, this meet, my coach just wants me to stay on my poles. He doesn't want me to jump on your poles. And I was like, oh, I mean, all right. Are you going from a short approach? He's like, well, no. He's like, what do you mean? My coach said these should work fine for me. I don't, I don't know what you mean. I'm like... Dude, your coach told you you had a bad day when you PR'd on bigger poles. So now you want to go back to the other poles because he said you should stay on the little ones? I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just not understanding. He's like, yeah, this is what my coach said I need. He said these are the better poles. or These the, these will work fine. Well, and, and we both mentioned it at, at dinner, and it's like, dude, that's bullshit. Right. Right? It's like this kid is blowing through his pole, PRs on bigger poles, and the coach is like, no, you you need to stay on our school poles. No, I'll tell you what happened. That freaking coach doesn't want to spend money on poles. Didn't want to spend money, yeah. And now he's leaving his kid hands out to dry. And had him legitimately convinced that he was jumping bad the week before when he jumped his PR. Like, what do you mean he's jumping bad? He jumped a foot higher than he did two weeks ago with your crappy little, well, not crappy, but just your little poles. yeah. Well, and it was funny. We were saying it in dinner, and it's like, I don't remember whatever the song was, but there's that like one line in a famous song where it's like, uh, if if uh, loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. It's like, well, if if uh, if if PRing is jumping bad, I don't want to jump good. Like, yeah, coach, I'm like, full of sucking, man. Yeah, like if my coach was like, oh, dude, that was terrible today what you did. It's like, dude, I PR'd. I hope I'm terrible every year. You know, it's like, that that's such BS. And it's like... You know, again, I think this kind of stuff happens because there's not enough good coaching out there. Yeah. I think there's not enough knowledge out there. I think not enough schools, like, know how to build a line of poles. Yeah. Like, I feel like schools always, you know what they end up doing? And it's like, they'll get a kid like you, right? Like, I could imagine when you were in high school and the high school's like, all right, like, let's buy a couple poles for Nick. Right. But they don't ever build a series. Oh, no. It's like no. big gaps of poles. They'll buy one or two poles for a kid. Yep. But it's like, that's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. Like, I've literally, like, for kids who, like, come into the club, like, as a freshman and through senior year, they've probably gone through 25 poles. Right. In that time. Oh, yeah. And when I was in high school, I mean, I had my meat pole and then little baby poles that I would just do, like, my, my little short... What I yeah. would consider drills, because I didn't really know drills at the time. Yeah. But, like, that was it. Like, if in the warm-up, if something was going wrong and I couldn't get on my, my meat pole, 
I was screwed. I didn't. I didn't yeah, have I, trouble. I, there was no plan B. There was no drop your grip, go to this pole. Like, nope. I, had, I that was it. Like they bought me a couple, but it was to the point where they would have to buy me one because the other one was just nothing. Like I couldn't do anything on it. So like, oh, we'll buy one that's way bigger. So you're good. So it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, we we were talking about it the other day too. It's like, all right, like I feel like in pole vault, people don't understand like intensity level. Yeah. Meaning. You know, okay, let's say your max grip was 15 feet and you were on a 15.795, right? Well, now if you're going back to your 7 or 8 for the first time, you can't start there. Right. That's your max effort. Right. That's your best effort. You have to drop the grip. You have to drop the pull stiffness. But what I think a lot of people feel like is acceptable is like, oh, well, I'll just grip down one hand, go down one pole. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's okay. That might work for someone on the low end because think about this, right? If you squat, let, for argument's sake, if you squat 100 pounds, right, you, that's your max effort, 60% of 100 pounds is 60 pounds. Yeah. So you drop down 40 pounds. Not a big deal. Right. Uh, but if you squat 1,000 pounds... Dropping 40 pounds is not 60%. Yeah. You are still very, very high. That's right. not That's over 95% of your one rep max. So, in fact, for you to go 60% if you're a 1,000-pound squatter, you'd have to drop down to 600 pounds. Right. You're dropping 400 pounds. And so the same thing. Like when you're one of those really, really good guys, when you jump really, really high, even as a girl – you have to drop a significant amount of grip. You have to yeah. drop a significant amount of pull stiffness to make it easy enough to build back up. You yeah, know, you can't just start with your max effort. And and some of it, so much of it goes back to ego too. Yeah, um, especially with younger vaulters, they're like, how often you get the younger guys like, yeah, I'm working on sixteen footers now, you know, just killing it. My PR is fourteen seven, but I'm working <laughs> on the sixteen foot yeah. poles. It's like. Dude, who gives a crap? I used to love it when I was the only guy on 15-foot poles, and I was whooping people by a foot and a half. Yeah. It's like, yo, a 16-foot pole is awesome, but you're jumping five inches under your hand grip, so what's the point? Right. Like, right. And, and people just don't put the put the pieces together in the right way. Like, like yeah, you definitely do want to get your grip up. Obviously, you're going to jump higher if your grip's higher. But, dude, if you're losing every bit of efficiency to do it, there was no reason to do it. Like, or if you never had efficiency. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people forget like DJ's Midmark, for example. Yeah. Like I, I got the chance to hang out with DJ this summer um, one night and we were talking and what I loved was he was like, what people forget about DJ's chart. He's like, he goes, my chart is a chart of averages. Right. That's not like you have to do this. Yeah, this is the best the ever. All be all. Yeah. He goes, in fact, if you beat the chart, that's awesome. It's an average. So you yeah. should beat it, you know? Um, but for example, I mean like on the chart, you know, you can look at hand grip and it tells you what you should be able to clear. Right. It's like, dude, if you're gripping 13, I mean, I got to pull it up now. I, I texted it to someone yeah. today, actually. Um, I just don't want to misquote it. Um, but on DJ's chart, you hit the break even point. They said 12.7. He goes at 12.7 yeah. grip, you should jump 12.6. So that would be that'd be seven inch push. So, yeah. you know, not eight inch push, but about, about that. Um, you know, and then. It goes up from there. I mean, by the time you get to 14-foot grip, you should jump 15. Yeah. 
You know, by the time you get to 15 two grip, you should jump 17. And so many people, like, I, I've had so many high school coaches or just younger coaches try to explain to me, well, yeah, yeah, I get it. You want to jump higher, you need to work on this. But if they're already strong and fast and they're out jumping their grip, why wouldn't I move them up? I was like, all right, you know, I, I completely get what you're saying. But if you want your kid to get better, you actually need to shorten their run and shorten everything and make them a pole vaulter. Right. Like, yeah, they're a great athlete. So, yeah, they can probably out jump that grip. But they're still only jumping 14-6, gripping 15 or, or whatever. Right. I, I had a coach one time say something to me where he was like, oh, well, you know, my athlete, like, she grips 11-9 from a three. Otherwise, it's a blow through. Cool. Does she jump 11-9 from a three? Right. Because that's my thing. It's like if, if you're gripping 11-9, you know what I mean? Like even by DJ's chart, which against, again is an average, 11-8 grip, they should jump minimum 11. Right. Which to me, I, I, I actually think that's like that's right. super that's easy. Like DJ's well, yeah. being generous, you yeah, know? Right. Um, but it's like, you know, it's like are they doing that? If not, well, now you got to you gotta look at the jump. Why are they not pushing above their grip yeah. enough, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, th- I think sometimes people aren't getting that deep. They're they're getting greedy. It's kind of like, you know, running a business. Yeah. Right? If you're running a business, it's real easy to be like, oh, hey, Nick, uh, you know, uh, this year we grossed an additional $50,000. What'd you spend? <laughs> oh, well, our expenses went up 70000 Right. Bronco, are you stupid? You, you lost $20,000. Yeah. But, but we grossed 50000 yeah. more. We made more, man. Like- yeah, yeah, but not really. Yeah, you spend more, you know, so it's like you have to look at both of those numbers and, and kind of see where where it's going. And I, again, I just feel like it's a little bit short sighted. You know, obviously you want people to grip high, right? You know, but they have to be able to do something with that grip. Yeah. If they're just gripping high to grip high. It, it's it's meaningless. I mean, I, I had a kid contact me uh, recently who, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I grip 13, I jump 12 which is negative four inch push, right? Um, when you calculate for the box and we're talking about it and I'm like, look, like you can do better. You're gripping 13. You should be capable of minimum an yeah. eight inch push. Um, again, according to DJ's chart, uh, 13 foot grip, it should be roughly 13, six. Yeah. So, you know, this kid could definitely do better. We talked about it. I sent him a couple drills over DMS. Yeah. And literally the next day of practice, you look way better. Right. You know, but I think sometimes when you're not looking at the whole picture, you're just like, all right, we got to just keep gripping up, keep gripping up. And you never teach the person how to pole vault. Right. You know, you're not teaching them how to swing. You're not teaching them how to get their hips above their hands. Well, you know, that, that's a problem. Yeah. Or, or they just, or you're just completely ignoring major, like important parts of the vault just because what they're doing is working. And like, and that's one of the reasons. Like, it's it's funny though that word "working." Right, it's working. It's what just, does that mean? You're like winning right the now. dual meets. Yeah, awesome, like, cool. But like, where are you really at? It's and it's like, and I go back to like Sean Barber when we were at Akron when he said he talked about yeah my poles are slower and I grip really high and it gives me a lot more time to really make up for if I make a mistake or this or that. It's like cool. You shouldn't tell high school kids that. You're telling them you you can make up with being for being a crappy pole vaulter by just gripping really high and being a really good athlete, and you'll be fine. Well, like, yeah, yeah it, there's so much interesting information out there that I think sometimes it's just like, 
whoa, what what are people talking about? Right. You know, we, we were talking about it tonight, like after I, I had gotten to work with a bunch of the kids. And, you know, it's like I, I did a post about being romantic about the pole vault. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I meant about that, it's like you always hear some vaulter that's like, Dude, man, when I felt that pole bend and, you know, I hit that cover position, it just shot me up this one time. <laughs> this one time I jumped really high. And it's like, sweet. I don't want to jump high once in my life. That's not... Because yeah. going back to, again, competition, you are not going to be a good competitor if you literally cannot control how high you jump. Right. If you don't know what got you that high and you keep talking about this magical moment in your life where you hit it just right once, dude, that's just, that doesn't do anything for you. Right. You know? And it's not, and, I, and like, I know me personally, like, I used to be so about the positions and that's like those, that picture perfect takeoff, like, like you said, that cover position. And then it was really like my senior year in college and I was like, dude, I don't care what my, like, who cares? Like, I, I just want to win. Right. And and it really was. It was a big deal. Like, it, it was it was huge for me because I went from – it was really kind of between that indoor-outdoor transition period where my indoor didn't really go that great. I had a great – a lot of really great pictures and some really cool videos because yeah. I was hitting those positions. But, man, I wasn't moving my big poles. I wasn't, I wasn't jumping yeah. as high as I want. And then outdoor, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to go hard. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to work. Like, I, I don't care. Like, obviously, I care what it looks like. But yeah. I don't care about hitting all these picture-perfect positions. Right. And I go to nationals, and dude, like, I didn't have enough pole for the meet. Yeah. Like, I had to, I, I made sure I had two poles bigger than I had ever jumped on. And I, I ended up, I mean, I made my opening height, and then after that, there was nothing I could do to not just completely crush my poles. Because, yeah. I mean, I was at a meet, I finally had competition. I had a meet where I didn't really give a crap about anything other than, yo, I'm going to come out here, and I'm going to compete, and I'm going to go hard. And I right. did. I freaking crushed it. Like, yeah, the result wasn't great. Dude, I have, I have nothing negative I could ever say about that meet because everything I did was great. I just didn't have big enough bolts. Right, right. Well, I I mean, like, that. that's the other thing that's wild to me. I mean, that, it's, I, I just, I can't even imagine not having big enough poles. Right. You know, I mean, that that was something, too. You know, last night we, we met up with one of my athletes who's in college now. And she's like, wow, I didn't, Bronco, I didn't realize how many poles you have. Like, you have yeah. a lot of freaking poles. Yeah. And I'm like, to me, I'm like, I, I don't know how you do this without right. all these poles, you know? I mean, you just, you need those progressions. I mean, I, I can't imagine going to nationals with an athlete and not, yeah. I always overpack. I, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like that dumbass. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. take two pull bags for one athlete just because I'm like, dude, we're not getting in this meet and not you having have to what be you sure. should. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's how I'm with my guys now too. Like, I mean, the big they, I, I'm my my big jumper now. He's, I mean, he's getting close to getting on my bigger series of poles. But every single meet last year, those were in the bag. Like, yeah, he's never gotten off the 15 footers. But dude, what if today he does? Right. Like, I I don't want to be responsible for him not PRing, for him not like setting this crazy thing. Because, well, you know, we didn't want to carry that extra weight. Like, no, 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 no way. No. Like that happened to me. That will yeah. never happen to one of my athletes. No way. Yeah, I I always feel like it's like you're never gonna feel bad about having extra poles in the bag. You're only gonna feel really pissed off when, when it's, it's like, there. oh, we didn't have the next pole because we didn't want to pack right. the bag. You know. Yep. So it, it's always better to have extra. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it, it you know, going back to like being at the college and stuff like that, it was, uh, it was super fun for me to, today, like kind of just work with kids who I've, I've never met before. Yeah. You know, they've never met me before. Yeah. Uh, they don't know really what I'm about. I mean, I know you kind of like have been talking to them about stuff, but it was cool to take them through. And one of the things that really, really like, again, it always hits me. I, I have these moments in practice, even at the club where, you know, I said to the, to Peyton at the end, I go, think about this. I must have kept those kids at a one left approach for like a straight hour. Yeah. But this is really, really important. I really want to drive this home. Those kids were engaged. They were learning stuff. There wasn't even a single kid from one left that was like, can I just go back? Yeah. No, they were all like soaking it in. And I always tell people, I go, look, it's real easy to coach pole vault when you just shoot people back to a five, six, or seven, maybe even tap them in, let them wrap a bungee, high five, go home. Right. That's Everybody's easy. Happy. Cool day. Yeah. It's really, you have to really test your coaching chops when you keep kids at a one left approach. One, you have to engage them. Yeah. You have to teach them something. Like there are so many moments while they were jumping where they're like, Oh damn! I didn't I didn't know that. Right. Oh, I get it now. And it's like to do that from one left, you really have to see everything and coach the whole time. Yeah. And I can tell you, they're they're not a group that likes short approach stuff. Yeah. Like especially uh, like a couple of them, like Josh, especially he's mm-hmm. he's one of our seniors too. That dude will fight me every single day when I say it's short approach day. He's like, yeah, Yo, yeah. can I at least go to a three? You know, get, get a little more bend in the pole because that's. It's like, no, dude, that's easy. I know you can do that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do I. That's why I want to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not like well, you get better, though. Well, well, it's it's funny, like, the way you said that because I, I, I had a moment where I was, I was talking to them about that and I was like, look, like, it's only natural. We all love doing things we're good at. Yeah. And I kind of – I used, like, the board game example. It's like, oh, <laughs> if, I, if I'm good at Monopoly, it's like I want to invite all of you over and be like, hey, <laughs> let me whoop your ass tonight, you know. But – a lot of people don't like doing things they're bad at. Yeah. But that's what you have to do if you're going to get better. You yeah. have to address those weaknesses. Um, and the thing that I always bring up and I told them about it is I love pulling up this Kill Bill video. For yeah. anybody who hasn't seen Kill Bill, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but, you know, Kill Bill is a Quentin Tarantino movie. Uma Thurman stars in it. And there's this one scene where she she meets with this like uh, martial arts instructor. He's like a guru. She has to like go up to this mountaintop and you know, and he has a scene where they have this wooden board, and he's literally he does like the one inch punch. Yeah, like you know, the Bruce Lee. He, one yeah, inch, yeah, yeah, yeah. He puts his fingertip to the wood board and literally punches straight through the wooden board. And he asks him a Thurman. He's like, "Can you do that?" And she's like, "I can, but not that close." And he goes, "Then you can't yeah. do it." He goes, what are you going to do if your opponent is an inch away from you? Curl into a ball or put your fist through him? And he punches the wood again. He's like, begin. And so the girl's hyped up at first. Uma Thurman's like, all right, I got to punch yeah. this wood. And she's like, whack, whack, whack. And by the third one, she breaks skin. It's starting to hurt. So now she's like backing off. And then right away, you know, uh, the sensei comes over. He's like, oh. You, he goes, you are afraid of the wood. It should be the other way around. The wood should be afraid of you. Yeah. And then he goes, also, you acquiesce to defeat before you even begin. 
And so what I said to the kids, I go, look, when we're doing these one left drills, you got two steps. You don't have a massive run. You don't have a lot of speed. You have to show me the skill. You have to show me the ability to be able to create pole speed from two steps out. Yeah. I don't care. Everybody can move the pole from seven left. Oh, That's yeah. not a problem. You're hauling, you're hauling ass. You're going to move it. Right. But can you move the pole just from right here? Right. Then also, can you swing from here? Right. You know? And so it's like, it's real easy to be like, well, I can go back. But the thing is, if you have to go back to move the pole, then you don't actually know how to move the pole. Yeah. That all these like in close drills. I mean, I, I was telling your kids and the look on their face, I was like, dude, I got guys that from a zero, meaning their toes are at the edge of the box. These dudes can come wrap 10 feet from a zero. The look, they, their Man's eyes blown. popped out. Yeah. They're like, what? Like, how do, you, how do you wrap 10 feet without running? Um, but, you know, it's like these are important skills. You have to understand how to move the pole, you know? And so it was just, it was really, really fun for me to kind of like instruct those kids, teach them some of that stuff, um, which, you know, I know you've been kind of starting to incorporate yeah. that stuff into their practices, but it, it, it was just fun. I mean, I mean, what, what was it like for you outside? You know, watching. You know what I mean. It's like those are your kids, but you were kind of just observing the practice. You weren't. You weren't really coaching. What What were your thoughts as you were kind of seeing it all go down? I mean, I mean, a lot of it was just cool to see how engaged and into it they really were. Because, because like I said, most of the group they hate short approach. They they don't want to do that stuff. But not single one of them. There wasn't a complaint. Like they're vocal too. They'll complain yeah, straight yeah, to your yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't a complaint. There was. They didn't look uninterested. They knew they were learning something. They knew what they were doing had some value. It wasn't like, yeah, we're just gonna do this because because this is what you do. You know, this is you got to swing like this because it gets you upside down. So when you get to that full approach, right? It's right, like, right. no, this is a full jump. I, yeah, you're coming from one left, but this is a full jump. This is the same thing as you're gonna do from seven left. Right, 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 right. And they, it just clicked. They just understood that, and it is. Yeah. I mean, it's just cool to. It's something I wish more elite guys would do. Like. You don't see an elite guy posting their drills online. Kendricks did it a little bit, like, two years ago when he had mm-hmm. those, like, Ask Kendricks or Kendricks right, tips right, right. or whatever. But, like, all you ever see is their, hey, yo, I jumped 16 feet from three today. Oh, I jumped whatever from four today. And, like, the kids look at that. They're like, well, I can't freaking do that. So, but I can do it from seven. So, uh, yeah, let's go back to seven. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean... Like, look, I think I think it's valuable to see, you know, that an elite vaulter can jump 16 from three. Right. I think that kind of gives someone a frame of reference. Like, all right, like, what do I have to be capable yeah. of if I expect to jump at that level? Um, but, yeah, like, how do they build that jump? Like, yeah. what do they do to create that kind of a vault? You right. Know? Um, sometimes we don't see. And, it, and, again, I guess, you know, it's funny. I feel like, and, and we've talked about this a lot this weekend, it's like, or this week, I should say, um, that outside, right? It's like, oh, we're all nice. We're all friendly. But it's like, privately, dude, there's a there's a lot, a lot of shit being said. You right. know what I mean? Um, and it would be actually a little bit nice to see what, you know, the process is for some of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe they think they'd be... You know, giving away a secret. Yeah. Like, somehow now someone's going to beat them. And who freaking... And who cares if someone's going to talk shit on your technique? Or who cares if you share the technique or whatever? Yo, I want to beat you because you were good and I was better. 
Yeah. Th- that, I mean, that's it. Like, uh, yeah. Like, if I have some special technique, like, yo, I found this secret. I'm not going to keep it a secret. I'm going to tell everybody. Like, yo, this will make you jump higher. Well, well, okay. So, here's what I think, too. Especially, okay. If you're coaching and you really have a special technique, if it was really freaking competitive... You'd have to be like telling your big dog, be like, hey, listen, so I don't know if you know this, but Johnny just called me and he wants to come train over here. Yeah. It's happening. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, that. that's what would happen. I mean, you, you see it in other sports like UFC. There's these training groups. Yeah. Because it's like, dude, there's some money on the line. You know, these guys all want to get better. They got to train. You know, it's like, it is what it is. What are you, what are you, what are you going to do? Yeah. To be you the know? best, you work with the best. Like Yeah. You know, you have to push each other. Um, and, and again, going back to the the coaching uh, at CMU today um, and talking about competition, dude, my favorite, favorite part of practice. So we're, we're doing ones and we get to swing to a sit and, you know, we're doing swing to the belly. And one of your guys, I kind of like stop everybody. I'm like, hey. And I talk about Gabby's line. Yeah. And Gabby's been on the podcast. If, <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, you got to check out the Gabby Mercurio podcast. It was really good. I got a lot of great feedback from that that podcast. But Gabby's four foot eleven, yeah. and I have this mark. It's eleven feet two inches from the back of the box. And Gabby, from a one when she was in high school, could get her toes to touch the line. Right? She jumped ten in high school. Then in college, she got her shins there. She jumped eleven four. And then I, <clears throat> I kind of tell people like. If you can get your knees there, you jump 12, hips are 13, chest is 15, you get your whole body over at 17. And so your one guy went, you know, he didn't didn't get to the line. And I'm like, all right, well, this is Gabby's line and this and that. And I go through it and she's four foot 11. And the look on his face is like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) And so the next time, you know, he goes like way better, like way better. I go, man, I go, listen. I know that we live in a society a little bit now where it's like, you know, everybody gets a participation ribbon. Right. Everybody's good. Let's not hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> I go, but guys, you're proving right now that competition matters. Because that dude, he was like, screw Gabby. I'm going to beat the shit out of her. I want to beat this fucking line. She's four foot 11. I got to beat her. I'm six foot tall. Yeah. And it was just, it was so awesome. Everybody started laughing and they're, they're all cursing in the back. Yeah. Like, yeah F, F Gabby, you know, like whatever. <laughs> and it's so funny. Like they don't even know who she right. is. I don't know if her ear is ringing right now right. in Long Island, you know, but it's like, you know, it, it was so great to see that moment because you know, when you give that kind of instruction, when you give tangible goals, like, hey, I, I you got to go this deep. Because I even said to people, the reason I call it Gabby's line, it's like, I don't want to call it the Nick Homan line. Hey, guys, here's the Nick Homan line. It's outside of the mats. You got to lay yeah. it off the mats from a one. You know, it's like people like, you know, you had a girl, Caroline, who's new. Yeah. It's like, she'd be like, what the shit? Like, what do I got to hit? Right. I, I know I'm not jumping 17.9. Like, what, what yeah. mark do you want it's me to hit on there? Yeah. So it's like, I give people tangible goals. And then I even go through the whole spectrum of like, all right, if you want to jump this, you got to hit this line. You want to jump this, yeah. this is how deep you want. And, and they know what they have to do. And, you know, I, look, I, I get it. Like some people might be afraid to share their secrets. Right. But we, we were talking about it, you know, and. For anybody who doesn't know, I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan. Um, But Gary V talks about it all the time. It's like, look, the reason I always give out my secrets for free, he goes, because I know 99% of you people are literally going to do zero about this. You know? And that's the thing. It's like, 
uh, one, I, I don't know what the percentages are for the people who listen to the podcast. I think they're higher right. than that. But, you know, yeah, so many people are not even going to do what you talk about. Yeah. You know, so you might as well, you know, speak what you do, help some people, because now going back to what we were talking earlier, like, you know, when you talk about competition amongst clubs and stuff like that, if you want to get more clients, people got to know what you're doing. Right. You know, it can't be a secret, you know. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't go to a restaurant if they hide what they make, you know. It's like you got to know. Are you you guys making burgers? Yeah. Is this Mexican? Chinese? Making sushi? What's going on here? And and you look at something like your club, like, and it's not just like, yeah, we've had one or two people that have just killed it. Like, like a a college coach or a high school coach, like, yeah, a couple years ago had that 16-footer in high school. It's like. Dude, you got a hundred pole vaulters that you're that you're coaching. So it's like, yeah, well, I have a story about this guy who, yeah, he did this, he PR by this much. Oh, but yeah, but that girl over there, she did this, this, and that. Oh, and that girl over there, yep, she did this, this, and that. It's like, it's consistency, and yeah. it, it's it's something that's tangible. You can see it, you can watch it. You can. It's it's not just yeah. Every couple of years, I get this stud athlete. It's like no kids are getting coached, right? And other people can see that those kids are getting coached, and that they're not just freaks that are. Just super athletic and just figure it out. It's like no, they're they're working their butt off and well, they have someone guiding them. Well, we we talked about it tonight. Like I I was mentioning something um, when I had visited uh, with Mike Engelhart from uh, the Chicago area. You know, I was saying like one of the things that kind of aggravates me is when I hear coaches that are that they don't pay attention to anyone but the studs. Yeah. And Mike said something interesting to me. He's like, "Well, Bronco, I mean, like that's all sports." And I go, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like most coaches in most sports, they only pay attention to the studs. But those aren't the best coaches. Yeah. The best coaches pay attention to everybody. I mean, even when we had Mike Sullivan on, uh, who's the quarterback's coach for the Denver Broncos currently, he talks about how he's like, listen, in training camp, that guy who ends up being on the practice squad team, if you don't pay attention to him, all right, when in December you lose a couple wide receivers and he's got to be the starting wide receiver – and you didn't pay him any attention in, uh, in right. August, he's not going to be ready to play. Bad on you. Yeah. You know, so even at the professional level, they've always got to worry about everybody. Um, but I know the one, you know, one of the things that I pride myself at the club is like, I'm trying to give everybody attention. I want yeah. everyone to improve. And, and we we're talking about a kid that you worked with and, and one of the kids at, at your college now who it's like, you know, they, they felt ignored. Yeah. And, and, and he, he is, he's a, he's kind of a goofy, he's a different kid. And we're talking old, old Dan, but, um, but yeah, he, he'd go to camps, he'd pay 150 bucks for this two day camp and the coach would say two things to him and then pay attention to the 15 footers over here. Or, or he would went on a couple college visits and coaches just straight up told him like, yo, don't bother. Which, and I get it. He was, a, he was a, a mid nine foot jumper out of high school as a guy. Like, yeah, that's not huge. But yeah, he's passionate about it. He wanted to keep working. Well, but here here's my thing. He pays $150 for a two-day camp. You know, he paid just as much as every other person. Yeah. And he wasn't getting attention. Like, that's inexcusable. Right. You know, like for me, I mean, like, I don't care what level you're at. I, I got to give you everything I got. I mean, that that's just – I listen, I'm sorry. If you're a coach out there – and you coach large groups or mid-sized groups, whatever, and you got kids that don't jump high and you ignore them, 
You're being lazy. Yeah. It's and bullshit. Pure laziness. Well, then, yeah. yo, if you get that kid to jump high, honestly, that makes you look a hell of a lot better. Right. And, and to be honest, like, and not even for myself, but, but dude, I, I cannot even tell you how proud I am of Dan. Like, a 9-6 falter, he's a 14-footer now. Like, <sighs> that's it's been, huge. It's been three years. The kid works his freaking butt off, and, and he's killing it. Like, we're talking about maybe, hopefully taking some shots at 15, maybe he'll sneak into a national meet. Like, this is a kid who didn't really think he had a chance to vault in college because of the way coaches yeah. treated him. And now we're talking about, yo, you might you might be a national qualifier. Like, right. That's something that's going to stick with him his entire life. And it's all just because, you know, a few coaches you, believed well, in him. You like, put time in. Yeah. like You put time in. And and that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, if, if again, if you're one of those coaches and you ignore kids because they don't jump high, that's lazy. Well, those and those kids are the future lazy. of our sport. Well, well, yes. So you know, you bring up the future of the sport. You know, I I talk a lot about growing the sport, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of coaches talk about growing the sport. If you are not giving time of day to anyone but studs, then you don't actually care about yeah. growing a sport. You're not growing anything. Yeah. You know, you you've got to put the time in. You you've got to make sure. That the, those kids are getting attention so they can get better. Because to grow the sport, we need as many people doing pole vault as right. possible. That's really, really important. Because I, I think there is this idea out there where it's like, oh, only coach the best athletes in pole vault. You'd never coach anybody. We get the scrubs. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I you know so I I don't know. It, it's it's just so so weird to me because it's like I can't help. But like, give people attention, right? You know, and when I when I hear stories like uh, you know about your guy Dan, where you know people are not you know giving him time time of day, it just it re- it really disappoints me. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, even I mean, shoot, go go to the pole vault summit. How many studs are at that meet? Right. Like, no, majority of that meet are high school kids that are just working their butt off because they love pole vault. And they're the ones that are that are paying the bills for that place. They're yeah, and that's why the yeah. summit exists. Yeah, yeah, their entry fees are what are what's getting those elites there. Like, how can you ignore that kid? He's the reason we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It just blows my mind. It's, yeah. Um, so you know, I I I don't know what's a good way to wrap this up. It's getting late, and uh, we've gone over an hour. I don't know if people are going to see yeah. us talking, <laughs> um, but. I, I gotta say again, this was an amazing trip, um, and I guess one of the takeaways I want people to have is like, listen, post your stuff, get your information out there. I, I'll tell you what, it's it's one of the things that's really taken my club, my business to the next level, uh, and allowed me to see the bright future that that is possible. Yeah. Is the social media putting my information out there, letting people know? I mean, I wouldn't be sitting in this living room right now if, right. if I didn't post on social media. Um, was there anything else that you, you wanted to bring up? Uh, I mean, I just, just like, like anybody that like listening to stuff, just keep freaking pushing. Like, like I was a guy who never had a coach. Like, we didn't go to after high school. Like, I didn't even go to college right out of high school. Well, I, I did, but not for long. My mom was sick, so I went to work. I took care of my mom for a few years and then came back into it and just worked my butt off. And I, I mean, I mean, now pole vault's my life. Like, mm-hmm. I was a sick... I mean, yeah, I was, I was a pretty good high school kid, but it wasn't because I had amazing coaches or anything. It's because I worked my freaking butt off. So, so if anything, kids just got to... You just got to work. 
Like, and and don't worry about people who are telling you like if you're that if you're that nine foot Dan, who cares if one coach ignored you? Like, there's another coach that won't. Yeah, there's someone out there that's gonna help. Right. Like it, it. Just you know, just like coaches need to put stuff out on social media. If you're a kid who feels like you're getting ignored. Look, yeah. search. There's got to be somebody that's going to give you the time of day. Right. And uh, even like, even if they're not close, like you, I live in Missouri, you live in New Jersey. But you know, there wasn't anybody really close who could give me what I need. Yeah, I shot you a DM. And yeah, you're in my living room. Like, right. And and I can't tell tell you how many people across the country. I mean, I feel like it's at least ten, fifteen kids or something like that that have reached out yeah. you know, through social media that I've been helping out. You know, and it's awesome. Like when I hear from them PR and stuff like that, you know, obviously, you know, it feels great. Um, there's even the one kid from Louisiana. Dude, I feel so terrible. He tore his ACL playing football this fall. Oh, no. I know. And and this is the football. crazy thing. You know, he DM'd me when it happened. And it's like this is a kid I've never actually met in real life. Like I haven't seen him. Like we've just DM'd. And the thing is like. The kid was like, yo, Bronco, like, I need to tell you this. And I'm like, ah, dude, I'm sorry. All right. That. How long is the recovery? Like, we talked about it for a little while, but it's like, man, it's amazing that you can connect with people. Yeah, like that. You're, so, you're invested already just from that little bit. Yeah, and, and so, like, like you're saying, like, look, if you're a kid out there, you know, just shoot out a DM to whoever, you know, you'd like to get coaching yeah. from. You never know who, who might be willing to help you out. Right, and even if it's not, like, if it's a coach, if it's a... Some vaulter that you follow that's jumping high. Like, yo, if you have a question about your jump, shoot them a freaking message. Yeah, you never know. Like, even if they don't say no. Or don't don't say something back. Like, yo, you tried. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the next guy will say something back. Yeah, exactly. You so. just keep hitting up people until somebody, somebody helps you out. Yeah. You know? Um, so... Again, your Instagram is uh, that tattooed Walter. I feel like there's an underscore, isn't there? Well, yeah, it's that underscore tattooed underscore Walter. Okay, yeah, uh, definitely follow Nick. Um, you can follow us at the Real Apex Vaulting uh, on Instagram, on Facebook. It's just Apex Vaulting. Twitter, Apex Vaulting. Snapchat, Apex Vaulting. Um, check us out. Any emails you want to contact us? It's apexvaulting at gmail dot com. Uh, it's been awesome to to do the podcast in yeah. Missouri, and you know you'll hear us next time, guys. Definitely.